God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Relevant Community Church. Here's Pastor Ronnie Rothy from Relevant. Well, so far we've looked at two of the five faith catalysts. A couple weeks ago we looked at practical biblical teaching. That was the first, first faith catalyst. And then last week we looked at private spiritual disciplines. We're going to dive into the third catalyst today. But before I tell you what it is, you need to know you can't go out and choose this one. You, you can't put this one on a to-do list. All you can do is learn how to navigate through this, this one and respond to it. When, when people tell their stories about their faith and trust and confidence in God growing over and over and over and over and over, you will hear them talk about a disruptive unexpected event or situation that happened, and as they look back on it now, they would call it a defining moment. It was what I call a pivotal circumstance. Sometimes these pivotal circumstances are positive, and you hear things like, then I was awarded a scholarship, or I was given an opportunity, or then I got married, or got a promotion, or received that unexpected check in the mail, or then I had a kid. And as a result, I felt like God was with me like never before. I, I saw God working in my life. I experienced God's love and faithfulness for me in a new way. And as a result, my faith grew. But many times, and I would venture to say most times, when people tell about a pivotal circumstance that caused their faith to grow, it involves pain, suffering, disappointment, hardship, and can only be described as a minus. You hear things like, then my mom died, then I had a miscarriage, my husband left me, then I got laid off, my best friend betrayed me, then I was diagnosed with cancer, and I found myself at the end of myself. And it caused me to look up for the very first time, or maybe the first time in a very long time. And I wouldn't have ever signed up for that. I, I wouldn't want to go through that again. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But some, somehow, God used it to grow my faith. Over and over and over, when people with extraordinary unshakable, rock-solid faith tell their stories about how it happened. They talk about when they went through a painful, hard, negative, unexpected, disruptive, pivotal circumstance that God leveraged to start, restart, strengthen, grow, or fuel their faith. You'll hear something like, God entered into my life in a new and a real and a personal way, and I now know and trust that God is with me like, never be, like, like I didn't before I went through that pivotal circumstance, and it probably wouldn't have happened any other way. So do you, you want to get, develop, and grow an enduring, go the distance, unshakable faith? If so, you need to know that the circumstances of life will either pivot us toward God or away from God and thus grow or erode our faith. The circumstances of our life, both positive and negative circumstances, they act as pivots. They either pivot us toward following Jesus or away from following Jesus. And when, when, when we pivot toward God in the midst of them, our faith will grow when we pivot away our faith will erode. After listening to hundreds of people's stories, after seeing what the writers of Scripture wrote, and from my own personal experience, I'm convinced there's an 
undeniable relationship between our circumstances and our faith either growing or eroding. And it's not an accidental relationship. It's an intentional relationship that God has leveraged from the very, very beginning. beginning. As painful and as hard and as negative as our circumstances may be, God is always up to something in the midst of them. And what he's up to is leveraging them as a catalyst to fuel our faith. Listen, that's not an excuse for why bad things happen or my way of trying to defend God. This is just the way God works. And I'll tell you about why in, in just a minute. But this, this, this is so important that you know this. You don't get to choose. You don't get to choose if you experience pain and suffering and hardship and hurt. You don't get to choose. You will experience negative, unwanted, gut-wrenching, pivotal circumstances no matter what you believe and no matter how much faith in Jesus you have. And maybe more than anything else, these will cause, cause your faith to either grow or erode. The question is, is what makes all the difference in which way we pivot? And it's one word. And the answer is interpretation. Our circumstances in and of themselves never growed or erode our faith. It's our interpretation of the circumstances, particularly the negative ones, that determine which way we pivot. When we interpret our circumstances correctly, we will pivot toward Jesus in the midst of them. And as a result, our faith will grow. And one day, we'll look back and identify it as a defining moment in our lives. But when we don't, our faith will erode because we will pivot away from him. One of the best examples of this dynamic is in the first uh, book of our New Testament, the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. In this story from the life of Jesus, we're going to discover that so, uh, something that's going to create a new but uncomfortable category for some of you in regards to your understanding of God. A category that may cause more questions than answers. In this story, we're going to discover that Jesus didn't just leverage negative circumstances, but that he actually allows them. Here's how the story goes. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of, in towns of Galilee. When John, by the way, this is not John who wrote the gospel of John. This is not John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. This is not John, who's Jesus' best friend. This is a guy by the name of, who came to be recognized as John the Baptist, had the, the nickname of John, as John the Baptist. That's who's referring to here. But when John the Baptist, who was in prison, important part of the story, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, Jesus, so let's stop there real quick. To fully appreciate the magnitude of this story, you need to know a little bit about John the Baptist. This is a man God sent an angel to his parents to before he was born to tell them that their son would be the one to prepare first century Jews for the Messiah, the Savior, the Anointed One, the Son of God, who the Israelite prophets hundreds of years prior to prophesied would come. 
This is a man who committed his entire life to preach that the kingdom of God was at hand. It was not somewhere in the future. It was happening right now. This was a man who confronted people with their sin, who challenged them to repent, to prepare their hearts, to receive the Messiah when he arrived, and then baptized thousands of people who, who did and who associated with his message. And that's how he got nick, the nickname John the Baptist. This is a man who announced, who personally announced that Jesus was the promised Messiah that they had waited hundreds of years to arrive, and then he personally baptized Jesus. And not only that, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He was Jesus' family. Now, knowing all of that, you'd expect God to bless John the Baptist with nothing but positive circumstances. But that wasn't the case. John the Baptist got on the wrong side of Herod, who was the Roman ruler in the area of Judea. So Herod had him unjustly arrested. And now John the Baptist was sitting in prison with no hope or release, wondering if and when Herod would have him executed. All the while, the same Jesus that he announced as Messiah, the same Jesus he believed was Messiah, the same Jesus he saw perform many miracles, the same Jesus he knew could miraculously save him from prison wasn't saving him from prison. So he, John the Baptist, sent his disciples, his followers, to to ask him, to ask Jesus, are you the one, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? John's essentially asking, hey Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Now why in the world would John the Baptist of all people ask Jesus that question. And you already know the answer. It was because of his present circumstance. Because he's in prison. Translate to our life. Because of the diagnosis. Because your spouse left. Because you lost everything. Because you're not sure how you're going to pay the bills. Because of the suffering. John the Baptist's expectations of Jesus as the Messiah, it wasn't matching up with his present circumstance that he found himself in. Consequently, he was in danger of slipping into what we do all the time, interpreting what he believed about Jesus through the lens of his circumstance instead of interpreting his circumstance through what he knew was true about Jesus. And understandably so, like us, John the Baptist was in danger of pivoting away from Jesus because of his present circumstance and thus eroding his faith in Jesus. (laughs) Because John's going, hey, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, you can do something about this. If you're really the Messiah, you can save me. None of this is making sense. So Jesus, help me make sense of it. And listen, wherever you're currently at in life, and you maybe never said this out loud, but I can guarantee, and I don't know your story, and I don't know all your situations, but I can almost guarantee there's been a pivotal circumstance in your life that has caused you to say or pray something like that. And for those who have a loving God wouldn't allow bad things to happen to good people theology, you'd expect this question from John the Baptist to rattle Jesus. You'd expect Jesus to respond back to John the Baptist, Baptist, basically begging him, John, please don't lose faith in me, John. Give me some time, John, and John, I will come to your rescue. But Jesus wasn't rattled. And instead of responding how our God is a genie in a bottle, theology expects him to respond, 
He responded in a way that he knew would help John the Baptist interpret what was happening differently. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. In other words, he says, go back and tell John, I am fulfilling everything that was prophesied hundreds of years ago that I would do and that he, John, prophesied that I came to do. Tell John not to lose his faith in me, not to let his faith in me get swallowed up by his immediate circumstances. Tell, refocus his eyes, refocus his ears, refocus his attention on what's happening through me in the world. Doing so will help him interpret rightly what's happening in his life. And then what Jesus said next is shocking. Not just for John the Baptist, but for me. And you. And by the way, one of the reasons I believe that the Gospels, the stories of the events of Jesus' life, first four books in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are actual events of historical documents that accurately record the life, the words, and the events of Jesus are because of stories like this one. Because if you were writing fiction in order to get people to believe in Jesus, you wouldn't write this. Everything about Jesus' next statement seems so wrong. And here's what he said. Blessed, blessed. And you may have in your mind what that word means, but here's what that means. Being blessed by God is to experience something that can only come from God himself. Being blessed by God is not dictated by our circumstances. Being blessed by God is not defined by what's happening externally, but by what only God can give us internally despite our external circumstances. Being blessed by God is not temporary. It's eternal. And Jesus says, blessed is anyone. Anyone. That's John the Baptist. That's me. That's you. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble, who does not lose faith in God on account of me and your assumptions and your expectations of me and what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. Translation, John, I'm not going to come get you out. John, I'm going to allow this negative circumstance to remain in your life. And that's a new category for some of us, isn't it? Implications of this being Jesus acknowledged that his activity or lack of activity in the midst of our circumstances has the potential to pivot us away from God and thus erode our faith. His lack of activity almost eroded John the Baptist's faith, a man who we now recognize as a hero of faith. And what you need to know is that it did not end well for John the Baptist. Jesus never came to his rescue, and Herod eventually executed him. But John the Baptist died full of faith. He died with his faith intact. He died fully trusting Jesus as the Messiah and his Messiah. He died for his faith. The question is, how did he maintain his faith in the midst of this pivotal circumstance that he found himself in all the way to the brutal end? One word, interpretation. Here's how I believe John the Baptist came to interpret what, came to interpret what Jesus said to him. John, God called you to prepare the way for me as the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and you did. 
And now for me to finish what your heavenly Father sent me to do, I have to allow this. John, I know this is hard. I know this is painful. But John, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Blessed is he who does. And evidently, that's all that John the Baptist needed to know. Evidently, once he interpreted that, Je- what, that Jesus was doing exactly what Jesus came to do, his faith in him grew exponentially, even though his circumstances did not change. And now Jesus looks at me, and Jesus looks at you in the midst of our pain and our loss, our abandonment, our suffering, suffering our unwanted pivotal circumstances, and he says, blessed is anyone who pivots towards me, who turns towards me, who focuses on me, who looks to me, who trusts in me, who follows follows me in the midst of those pivotal circumstances. I'm going to say something that some of you have never heard, but you need to know. God will allow painful, hard, negative circumstances in your life. And I realize that's hard to hear because some of you are going through some pain-filled, pivotal circumstances right now. And my heart breaks for you, and so does your heavenly Father's. And could he save you from it? Yes. Will he save you from it? I don't know. All I know is that he allows pivotal circumstances. And he allows them because he loves you too much not to allow them. He allows them because of what he wants for you. Every week of this series, I've said more than anything, God wants to grow and transform your faith because as trust goes, so goes the relationship. And what you need to know, and your life will be so much better the sooner that you can accept this, is that transformation rarely happens when we're comfortable. Transformation rarely happens when we're comfortable. That's true in every area of our lives, but that's especially true when it comes to our faith. That's why God will allow pain and suffering and hardship. Listen, God's not trying to do something to us by allowing pivotal circumstances. He's trying to do something in us. He's trying to transform and grow our faith. And maybe more than anything else in our lives, pivotal circumstances force us to throw our hands up and look up. And the people who choose to pivot toward him in the moments of experience, in, in, in those moments, experience their faith growing in a way that probably wouldn't have happened in any other way. Therefore, they experience his presence in their lives like never before. And that's what it means to truly be blessed. You don't get to choose pivotal circumstances. You don't get to choose pain, suffering, hardship, loss, and disappointment. Tragedy is part of the story for all of us. Our circumstances have the potential to pivot us away from Jesus and thus erode our faith. And we've all met people who that's happened to. Maybe you. But maybe more than anything else, the negative circumstances of life have the potential to pivot us toward Jesus and thus grow our faith. And you've met people like this before too. People who walk through what can only be described as the valley of the shadow of death and who emerged on the other side with extraordinary, unshakable, rock-solid faith. And because of their faith, they possess a hope, a peace, and a joy that transcends all understanding. And that's the definition of blessing. 
There's nothing special about these people. God doesn't love these people more. The only reason their faith grew is because they chose to pivot toward God through it. Our circumstances in and of themselves never grow or erode our faith. The conclusions we draw about God in the midst of our circumstances do because they influence which way we pivot. They influence if we take a next step toward following Jesus or if we step away and turn from him. And how our faith is transformed is by following Jesus one next step at a time. And pivotal, pivotal, interpreting pivotal circumstances is a way that, in, in a way that helps us grow our faith. It isn't easy. As a matter of fact, it's extremely hard. And to make matters worse, there are many things that influence how we interpret our pivotal circumstances. I want to give you quick. I want to quickly give you three what I call interpretation influencers. Here's the first one: what we believe. The people whose faith erodes during pivotal circumstances are usually the ones who assume something about God that isn't true, expect something from God that he has not promised them, or incorrectly believe that having faith in Jesus should equate to a pain-free life. This is why having a Jesus-centered faith is so important. This is why consistently putting yourself in environments that expose you to practical, biblical teaching is so important. Remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago. That was the first faith catalyst. Let me tell you something that you should absolutely believe. Let me tell you what you should absolutely believe. It's straight from the mouth of Jesus the day, that he, the day before he was crucified. And here's what he said. In this world, you will have trouble, hardship, pain, disappointment. He said, in this world, you will experience pivotal circumstances. Saying, you can and should expect suffering and expect trouble. The people, people who pivot away from God when they experience pivotal circumstances are the one who believe that, that God is trying to do something to them. Those who pivot toward God are the ones who believe that God can and wants to leverage this pivotal circumstance to do something in them, to, to transform and grow their faith. Here, here's something else you, should ab you absolutely should believe because it will greatly influence how you interpret your pivotal circumstances. God, and can't, God can and wants to use what happens to you, however painful and hard and agonizing it may be, for you. He can and wants to use what happens to you for you. Transformation rarely happens when we're comfortable. So if you want your faith to grow, I don't know what other way to say this. This is just reality. You've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. If you want your faith to grow, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Here's the second interpretation influencer. Where our focus is. And this is the deepest statement I said all day. And you're going to be so glad you came. And you're going to be like, I know why this guy has a degree now. You ready for this? We'll move toward what our eyes are focused on. It's pretty deep, isn't it? Wherever your eyes are focused is where you will move. So in the midst of your pivotal circumstances, where's your focus? Is it on Jesus? Or is it on the pivotal circumstance that's weighing heavy on your soul? Whatever your focus is on is where you will pivot and move toward. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he wasn't done talking yet. He says, but take heart. Take, you know, take heart by keeping your eyes focused on me because I have 
overcome the world. And the great news is a few days later after Jesus said these words, he literally overcame the world when he defeated death by rising from the grave. When we take our eyes and our focus off Jesus, even for just a moment, our faith will erode. Saying, focus on him, his promises, his truths, his ways, how he is working, what he's inviting us into is how our faith grows. And that isn't always easy, especially in the midst of our pivotal circumstances. One of the things that has helped me do this is a very specific prayer. Because when, you know, when pivotal circumstances normally happen in our life, like how do we normally pray? God, help me, save me, protect me. And that prayer is understandable. We've all prayed it before. But that prayer also keeps our eyes focused on ourself and our pivotal circumstance. A, a prayer that has helped me keep my eyes focused on Jesus in the midst of my pivotal circumstances is, Lord, help me recognize you in this. Help me recognize you. Help me see where and how you are working. When I'm in the midst of a pivotal circumstance, I pray this daily. Sometimes I pray this hourly. It helps me keep my eyes focused on Jesus and my ears open to him. It helps me interpret my pivotal circumstance differently. And here's the third interpretation uh, influencer. Who we listen to. The people we listen to will greatly influence how we interpret God's activity in the world, God's love for us, who God is, where our focus is, what we believe, our faith, what's going on in our life. In the midst of pivotal circumstances, we need to surround ourselves with the right people, people who will speak God's truth in our lives, people who will remind us of God's promises and God's faithfulness, people who will help us focus, who will help focus on Jesus, people who would just be there to listen, to pray to support people who will help us interpret correctly. Transformation doesn't happen in isolation. You don't get to choose pivotal circumstances. Jesus said, in this world, you will, you will, you will have trouble. So you want to get, develop, and grow in enduring, go the distance, unshakable faith? Here's my question for you. Are the pivotal circumstances of life causing your faith to grow or erode? If you're in the midst of a pivotal circumstance and it's causing your faith to erode, today is the day to focus your eyes on Jesus and to turn and pivot toward him. If you do, I believe God will use this, this pivotal circumstance as a catalyst to fuel your faith. And maybe, just maybe, someday you'll look back and you'll say that that was a defining moment in my faith that probably wouldn't have happened any other way. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Ronnie Rothy from Relevant Community Church. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net. 